If you're looking for a podcast to break down the latest analysis of the QAnon movement. Oh, please. Here it is. They're crazy. <laughs> okay. So let's move on. Okay. This is comedy. Tragedy. Marriage. Marriage. Welcome to what is the last episode of season two of comedy, tragedy, marriage. How do we decide what the seasons are? Uh, the first episode was the first week in September. Oh, okay. In 2019. Oh, happy anniversary, Stan. It's getting close. It's getting close, Maude. It's getting close. Yeah. What'd you get me? Nothing. Good, because that's what I got you. Okay. Okay, yeah. Try to put me on the spot like that. No, you, no, ain't, no. you will not win. No, that's true. Um, and if I recollect correctly, this is episode 98. Oh, wow. Um, this is a podcast where a longtime married couple, married over 35 years, gets together, taking turns each episode, selecting a movie to watch. They sit down, watch it together, and then they discuss why they love it, like it, hate it, or some mixture of all of the above. I am Stan the Movie Man. I review films at StanTheMovieMan.com. You can find my latest review. It is of the new Candyman movie uh, at StanTheMovieMan.com. You can follow me on Twitter at MovieManStan, and you can follow the podcast at CT marriage you can send us an email comedy tragedy marriage at gmail.com and you can leave a comment for us just by clicking the link in the description of this podcast or if that doesn't work you can copy and paste it into a web browser joining me as always is the one the only the epitome of grace and style beauty and charm she is what all women want to be she is my other half. Every woman do want to be your other half. No. I can't use my words. <laughs> well, I got Every the, woman do. I, I, I got the idea. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm Maud, and this week I'm Maud the Mashed Broad. Mm-hmm. Duh. And it was your week to select a film, and you told us last time what mm-hmm. you were going to select. So, why don't you fill people in on this week's movie? Okay. Um... Two weeks prior to now-ish, we watched um, Catch-22, a war film from 1970, um, and there was another very prominent war film from 1970 that, you know, came out the same year um, called MASH, Mm -hmm. little little number called MASH that Mm -hmm. people might have heard of, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to follow up Catch-22 with MASH and kind of do a compare-contrast kind of thing. Um, MASH, the movie, was directed by Robert Altman with a screenplay by Ring Lardner Jr. based upon the novel MASH, a novel about three army doctors written by Richard Hooker, um, produced by Ingo Preminger, Starring Donald Sutherland as Hawkeye Pierce, Elliot Gould as Trapper John, um, also Tom Skerritt, Sally Kellerman plays Hot Lips Houlihan, Robert Duvall has a turn as Frank Burns, who is utterly despisable, mm-hmm. Roger Bowen was Colonel Blake, Rene Aubergenois was um, Chaplain Father Mulcahy. Um, well, we, that's not his name in the movie. Well, it's one of his names in the movie. 
Um, he he was also called he was nicknamed Dago Red, but he was Father Mulcahy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, look at me paying attention to details. Yeah. Um, and a host of other people, including an introduction, um, introducing John Shuck. Now he plays um, painless painless Pekowski, um, the dentist who has other special gifts that yes. we ha- that we, we are we are informed of. In, well, uh, that that are alluded to yes. in the film. Um, among other things, this film won the Grand Prix du Festival International du Film, later named the Palme d'Or at the 1970 um, Cannes Film Festival. Um, it received five Oscar nominations, including Best Picture and one for Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, and, you know, it also spawned a little, you know, little TV show. TV that show of the people, same name. People might have, you know, watched an episode or two of. And it shared one actor with it the did. movie. It did. The only actor who went from the film, thank you for pointing that out, who went from the film and um, reprised his role on the TV show was Gary Berghoff as Radar. Mm-hmm. Radar O'Reilly. A, a significantly different version of the radar than we get in the film kind of radar in the movie um was kind of a um eyebrow raised quiet wink little evil genius sort of not evil but but stealthy genius under under the radar radar he also but he 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 kept the um precognition if you will for whatever his commander wanted from him. Oh yeah, he was known as Radar because he knew things were coming before they came. Mm-hmm. Um, commander desires, um, needs of the unit, choppers. Um, the choppers thing was more on the TV show. That was show. more on the TV show side, but, but Radar was something of a little bit of psychic. Yes. So He was um, also the go-to guy. He was the go-to guy. Um, this film, to me, for an Altman flick, seems pretty lighthearted and straightforward. It is probably the most accessible Altman movie you will ever find. Okay, good. It's not just me then. Right. Okay. Because it seemed to me, Altman's reputation being what it is, and the few Altman films that I have seen over mm-hmm. the years, which, wow, um, um, this one seems very straightforward. It's um, it, it it's different from Catch Twenty Two on a number of levels and yeah. in a number of ways. Uh, mostly that it doesn't seem to jump around in time. It's not like you it's know, pretty linear. It's yeah. pretty linear. You don't have fast for uh, fast forward. You don't have flashbacks happening. You do have a series of. Um, vignettes i guess we'll say about different things that happen there's the big football game where they bring in a ringer to the unit yeah. there's um a, a trip that that uh trapper and hawkeye get to take to tokyo um where they perform on a dignitary's son and also save the life of a baby and also save the life of a baby which you know was not their mission there and they kind of got into trouble for but well and also it was the uh, baby of a japanese woman and a u.s soldier 
Um, and they, the military just sort of wanted to forget that kind of thing happened. They, but duh. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, the movie is a series of vignettes more yes. than it is, it has a story. Yeah, it's, it's, you piece together the story by the many stories that are told. And uh, it's a, it's a lighthearted yes. ish. Um, look at war much more so than um, Catch-22 was, in my humble opinion. Yes, Catch-22 was certainly a commentary on the futility of war, whereas this is more of a um, satire about how people in war survive. Um, and a lot of it has to do with developing a twisted sense of humor. Exactly. And being able to put your revulsion of squirting blood and mangled uh, intestines and sawing off somebody's leg because it can't be saved. Mm -hmm. um, all of that, and granted, they're doctors, so they're not supposed to, you know, vomit every time they see something gross yeah. because that's their job is something gross. Yeah, but this is meatball surgery. Yes, it is frequently on the show is referred to that way, um, but. They hide it behind a veneer of of uh, gallows humor and cool detachment, um, even though clearly these people care to some degree. Of course they do. Because um, they are doctors, first do no harm. Um, and, you know, when it comes down to it, they will do the right thing, but they will fight it all the way. <laughs> they seem to be... They seem all to be very highly competent and skilled in, um, you know, these horrific wartime battlefield, basically, circumstances. I mean, MASH stands for Mobile Army Surgical Hospital, mm -hmm. um, and they're doing surgeries on, you know, horribly injured um, wounded soldiers who come in to their their tents and God knows what all they see. Um, a pivotal scene for me that was also played out in the TV show more than once probably was where Father Mulcahy, he is in the operating room and um, the surgeons need an extra hand and they, they take, they use the priests. Mm -hmm. And so he's standing there serving God in this very palpable way. Um, Renee Bourgeois's face is a marvel to me because his whole career he looked the same. It's like he he started he had a grown up face when he was very young, mm -hmm. as evidenced here, and over time he just sort of grew into his face. Um, but he always he always kind of looks like Odo to me from Deep Space Nine. Well, even when he had all that those appliances on his face, he as was still Odo, him. He was still recognizable as o Rene Auberjonois. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he and I like to think of him like you as Odo. Pretty yeah. much every time I see him in anything, it's like, he's oh, Odo. That's Odo. Yeah. I mean, that's Rene Auberjonois. Yeah, it's Odo. Um, now you and I neither one had seen this recently or all the way through we think no i think that i've seen bits and pieces but never the whole thing in one shot right um and uh, things some things were familiar 
uh, like the football game was very familiar and the practical joke they play on Hot Lips. <laughs> Both of them. Yeah. Um, and, but there were other things that um, were completely new to me. Uh, for instance, when um, John Shuck's character, the dentist, decides that he has become a fairy, as it is put in the movie, because he has erectile dysfunction yeah, with a he, nurse or Yeah, he whoever. has a romantic encounter that, um, where his... He's unable apparently, to perform. Yeah, his apparently prodigious gifts mm-hmm. were not <laughs> were not up to par, yes. so to speak. Uh, and he, so he, just, he comes to the conclusion, and this is... So crazy. I mean, he has medical training, but he's decided that since he cannot perform this one time, he must be a victim of what he calls latent homosexuality. And then he says, I've become a fairy. Right. And this is 1950s thinking through a 1970 lens. Yeah. So, you know, we weren't quite as woke about um, gay and LGBTQ plus things uh, as we are now. Um. So, of course, of course, there are still people who think like that. Yeah, there are. Uh, even now. But that whole scene where he, he's going to commit suicide. Yeah, he decides he doesn't want to live anymore, so he's going to kill himself. And he wants the other doctor's help, and they have a plan, and he's just being sedated. He's not being, he's not taking a poison pill. And everybody says goodbye to him, and it's very... Uh, Last Supper reminiscent and yes. the scene where they're shooting through the gauze of the tent. Yeah. And um, you, you know, they, I, of course, that's purposeful, but, yeah. but um, then he takes the pill, lies down in a coffin. Yeah, they put him in a casket. And a pine box, a literally, pine box. is what it looks like. Probably what they put dead soldiers in. I would think. And then uh, they, they take him to a tent. Um, to lie in repose for a while. Yeah. Where they bring in a nurse to have sex with him. A very young Joanne Flew, who, who is I, gorgeous. Who I loved from the first moment I saw her on probably Match Game or some other yeah. game show back in the 70s. Uh, but yeah, she was a very young Joanne Flug, Gorgeous. And there is... An enormous amount of misogyny in this. Movie. Oh yeah, this is cringy in that way, but it it it's a it's not only of its time, as in 1970, which we see the misogyny through the 1970s lens of um, the women's movement was starting to take hold, and mm-hmm. this is we don't treat women this way, um, and. It, Again, it's a 1950s mentality through mm-hmm. a 1970 lens. We've come a long way since 1970 as right. well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the women were not respected. The scene where she's being shipped out. She, I, I don't know if she's going home or if she's being sent to a new division or mm-hmm. or whatever. But it's the night after she has had this... And really, it's non-consensual sex. It, she raped him. She raped him. He's drugged, but apparently he was relaxed enough for his business to work. And once she got a look under the sheet at his business was when she consented to do the thing. Because yes. she was a little she um, was non-committal reticent. about it. Yes. Uh, and then she gets on the helicopter 
and the last shot of her before the helicopter takes off, she looks directly into the camera and smiles. It was, it was like, you know, all she needed was sex to make her happy or something. I don't know. There's a, there's a bad message in there. That's not what I took from it at all. What was it? I just took from it that she got to sample his prodigious gifts and enjoyed herself. Maybe I'm too simple in that view, well, but... I think we're allowed to have differing views Gosh, on, I on hope that so. scene. Yes. Um, and the other bit of blatant misogyny is when they uh, drop the weights and the... Uh, sides of the shower tent come up and everybody has to look at hot lips naked um yes that would have been a bad trick to play on a guy as well mm-hmm. um i hated hot lips's character so i felt like she had it coming but she, she gets somewhat redeemed near the she end does of the she movie. does and she um the the character that grew through the MASH television series evolved into something much more substantial and worthwhile Mm -hmm. than the character that we see Sally Kellerman play in Mm -hmm. the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, She, she, she does become less despisable as the movie progresses, but But at first also portrayed as dumb. Yeah. I mean, and Houlihan was not, no. Well, and she's not, um, throughout the course of the movie until the football game comes along. Yeah, and then she's the nincompoop. Then she's the dumb cheerleader. Yeah. Uh, And also, at the end of the movie, when they're going through the cast list and they're showing little snippets of film from each one, Mm -hmm. she's... Her snippet of film is her naked in the shower. Yeah. I mean, it seems disrespectful yeah. From the movie maker's point of from Altman's point of view or from the editor, whoever decided on that. That, that was shot, the shot to use. Um, that, you know, because there are others when she comes in screaming, I mean, also somewhat misogynistic because the hysterical woman. Yeah. But when she comes into um, Colonel Blake's office screaming about what has just happened to her when yeah. the shower walls go up. And that she wants everybody court-martialed or she's going to uh, resign her commission. And mm-hmm. he says, well, resign your damn commission. Yeah. And then she backs down immediately and leaves. I mean, you know, there's... And granted, it's a 51-year-old movie. Yeah, it's a product of its time. It is. Um, and that's something people need to remember. You know, there's... There's some also some racism thrown in there just for to flavor it up a bit. Yeah, uh, sure. Fred Williamson, a, a former football player and actor, uh, has a role in the film as Spear Chucker Jones. The nickname Spear Chucker, I thought, just referred to his ability to accurately throw a pass. Well, in the movie, he says it's because he threw the javelin. Okay. Um. But spear-chucker is a racist term. So I've learned something. Um, 
So, you know, there's there's a fair amount of that. Um, it's from 1970. It's got some cringe in it. And and uh, Tom Skerritt's character doesn't want this black surgeon living in the tent, the officer's tent with them. In I the mean, swamp. In the swamp. Uh, it's, you know, there are things about the movie that you look back on and go, well, that wasn't a good idea. Tom Skerritt was the most... Um, horn dog, um, sleazeball, misogynistic of the four main guys, I think. Um, and his character was not brought in for the TV show for no. whatever reason. Go ahead. Um, I was going to say, there's the humor that is employed in this film. You said it kind of had an Animal House vibe to mm-hmm. it. It kind of does. It's very juvenile bathroom mm-hmm. humor um and i think that's part okay full disclosure i had an uncle who worked for many many years at a local funeral home people who work in industries like medicine like funerary work that kind of thing um, if they don't have a bizarre sense of humor when they go in, they definitely have a bizarre sense of humor when they come out. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of that humor um, in the movie MASH was that kind of evolved response to the horrors of war that they were subjected to on a regular re- regular basis. Well, yeah, it was their defense mechanism. Yeah. Otherwise, they'd all go crazy. Yeah. Um, if you're... Uh, experience with MASH is strictly the TV show. Um, you know the character of Frank Burns. And here he's played by Robert Duvall. Um, he's more... He's got a much larger and firmer stick stuck up his butt in he the does. movie. He does. Um, and he's not in it that long. No, it's he didn't have a huge role, actually, which surprised me that he wasn't present for more of of the movie. Yeah, that was also a surprise to me. Yeah. Um, Robert Duvall is an actor I have loved and admired since forever. Hate him in this movie. <laughs> well, which I mean, is, he's, which he's means designed he's, that way. Yeah, which means he's he's done a good job Did acting a good his job. character. That's right. He's, uh, he's a very religious man. He's teaching um, the Korean um, house servant that they have Ho in John, the swamp. How, yeah. He's teaching Ho John how to read from the Bible, yes. of course. Uh, but he's uh, Frank is uh, more than willing to throw his vows of chastity or uh, um, his marriage uh, vows, his monogamy, out the window when Hot Lip shows up or uh, Major Houlihan. Yeah, because she, she doesn't she, get. Her. She gets her nickname um, when Sneaky Little Radar. Yes. I love him so. Um, sneaky little radar puts the the camp PA Mike. PA Mike um, underneath the fold of the tent where Burns and Houlihan are having their tryst, and so eventually PA gets turned on. The entire mash unit here's what's going on and uh, among the many cringy lines that that are said in this exchange um she says something along the lines or my lips are so hot frank kiss my hot lips and so that's how she earned her nickname hot lips yes 
Um, so there you are. There's that. But yeah, Frank is not in the movie that long. They push Frank over the edge after this incident. Yeah. And um, he attacks Hawkeye. I don't remember who it was he attacked. It's Donald was... Sutherland. Yeah, that's Hawkeye. Okay. You see, I, I always thought Hawkeye was Elliot Gould. But yeah, it was, no, he was, it was Trapper John. Yeah, he was Trapper John. Um, but yeah, he attacks Hawkeye, um, and and he gets carted off in a straitjacket, um, which for me was a bit of a relief. <laughs> it was fitting because. That character is zero fun. Yeah, he really had the stick inserted very firmly, and it was a very large stick. And very, very uh, stiff. Um, and he, you know, he he just sucks all the air out of the room. Yeah. Um, and granted, if, if you are a person of faith, the way he is treated will make you angry. Um because, of course, if you're a person of faith, you're probably not watching this movie. But um, Yeah, there's language, and there's a little bit of naked. Um, the overall content, aside from the humorous way it's treated, the basic subject matter is pretty dark. Yes. Um, and while there's a lot of spurting blood and, and things like that, the gore is relatively... Mild. Mild. Uh, there's a lot of blood, bloody... Bloody linens, bloody gowns, gloves. Um, and while they kind of show the bodies opened up, you don't really see anything. You don't see inside them. Now, there are some moments when there's blood spurting out of a boy's neck and, uh, um, you know, stuff of that nature. But, uh, yeah, it's it's not gory in the, you know, Friday the 13th version of gory. It so, is. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, uh, it is a... I think it is in its own way a uh, a comment on war, um, but very different from Catch Twenty Two, oh, sure. which showed the people who were in the planes dropping the bombs, and many of them we see them die or we hear they die. Um, and we can see that they are all legit cray cray. They are the only one who's not is the one who is being called crazy by everybody else. Um, In MASH, uh, it is people who are coping the best they can with the pressures of always being on call, never knowing if in the middle of the night some choppers are going to come in carrying guys who have been ripped to shreds. Um, But they, they seem to be able to keep some detachment from the patients. They just do their jobs and they and they either send them to Seoul where they can get more extensive treatment or they send them to wherever they rehab so that they can go back onto the front line. Yeah. Which was a big thing about the TV show about they, you know, they were complaining about all we do is just patch them up so they can go get Go torn back up out again. there, yeah. Uh, where that pretty much is not discussed um, or brought up at all um, in the movie. So... Catch-22 and MASH, two very, very different looks at war, uh, but both, I think, very well worth your time. I think so, too. We'll come back in a minute and uh, give you our rating for MASH, and then we'll talk about what we've watched right after this. Welcome back to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage. We are discussing 
MASH. Uh, that was Mod's pick this week. It, um, uh, of course, was a um, very popular movie. It uh, uh, made a ton of money, even, I mean, it's relative to its, um, to to its, its budget. budget. It, it, but that would still be considered a very good return today yeah. on that kind of budget. And there are still yeah. there are still movies made with that kind of budget. Um, it has an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes based on 55 reviews. Metacritic has an 80 out of 100, uh, generally favorable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think CinemaScore existed at the time. Um, the movie uh, was a box office hit, third highest grossing film released in 1970, behind Love Story and Airport. Um, and it had a budget of $3,025,000. Okay. It made between, you know, rentals to theaters and, yeah. and all of that, it made $81 million. Decent return on investment, I would uh, say. More than decent. That yeah. is... Uh, That's the kind of math I can do. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it was a good moneymaker. Anything over three times the budget generally means break-even. Uh-huh. And this is several times more than that. Uh-huh. Um, so, tell me. You um, first. Me first? You first. My, Excuse me. Oh, dainty. that's dainty. She is a freaking lady, I I'm tell you. I'm a delicate feminine flower! Uh, she... <laughs> okay. Uh, it's a good thing we already reviewed The Exorcist. <laughs> True. Um, my uh, rating of MASH, uh, based on um, five very dry martinis, is a five. It is... Uh, a classic piece of American cinema. The we didn't even talk about Altman's direction with the overlapping dialogue and the um, the 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 way the surgical theater the was designed the, and well, shot and well more more like the the dialogue in the surgical oh, theater yeah. as you know they're all talking and it's all disjointed conversations and you're hearing bits and pieces from mm-hmm. various tables, but it all sounds legitimate and real. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it did win the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay, and what? I can see why, and the direction that Altman gave it um, enhanced that, I think. Yeah, and the thing with Altman in many of his films, I don't know if back in 1970, but in many of his films, um, they there wasn't really a script per se. There was, we need to get from here to start the scene, and here to end the scene and these things need to happen or this thing needs to happen otherwise y'all just take it there you just yeah you and as tight as a lot of this dialogue was you know unless they rehearsed it 10,000 times and it essentially was just written by then um I'm not sure that that was his style in this one Mm -hmm. but um yeah the the overlapping dialogue, especially you know when Radar and yeah, uh, when he's anticipating he's, everything he, Colonel Blake says right yeah. before he says it, um, and and all of all of the um, just the interactions between the nurses and the doctors because you know the nurses were really the sexual conquests for the doctors um, and the um, 
the uh, the the thing that felt least real to me was the um, the guy who was in charge of the evac unit for the in the football game. That felt like somebody said we need to do something different or I I don't know that that scene almost feels like it was somebody else's idea and it was just kind of misplaced yeah it doesn't I mean I don't know I haven't read the book I don't even remember what you're talking about so clearly it didn't strike me the way that it struck you what the football game well this particular part of the football game is not ringing bells for me well I mean just the the guy the bald guy who wanted to make the bet and play and he had a football team and he brought in all the oh Raiders. yeah the yeah. other colonel the other colonel um there that that whole segment of the movie just feels like something out of a sitcom like lift move insert here yes copy and paste yeah um so that is my only very very small issue with the movie and it is microscopic compared to how much I think the rest of the movie is great so I've given it five very dry martinis what do you give MASH? I'm going to give MASH four bloody bandages oh okay Um, and the only reason I think is because I can't help comparing it to Catch-22 now and I think that Catch-22 in my mind is just a superior piece of work Understandable. MASH is wonderful, a mm-hmm. masterpiece, mm-hmm. A, a historic piece of American cinema for sure. Um, started and built a lot of careers. Oh, yeah. You're going to see a lot of faces. I mean, there were like three opening slate pages of introducings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you, you know a lot of those people. Yeah, and, and I, just scrolling through the Wikipedia, and granted, it's Wikipedia, so who knows if it's absolutely accurate. But... But, uh, in an uncredited role, is Sylvester Stallone as Soldier in Catering Area. Now, I don't know what catering area they're talking about. Do yeah. they mean the mess tent? Or yeah. is this something in, in Tokyo? In Tokyo. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, apparently Sylvester Stallone had a... Uh, he was a he background was an extra. player uh, in, in this movie. Never knew that. So Interesting. It's, uh, it, it is pretty cool. And there are going to be people, a lot of character actors that maybe you don't know their names, but people like Bud Court um, uh, and, you know, just just a ton of well, background Well, the, the bald colonel for the, the other football team, mm-hmm. you know that face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just think that for my money, Catch-22 is a more cerebral film. Oh, certainly. And I don't necessarily always go for the more cerebral thing, but in this case, I'd, I, I liked MASH very much. I just liked Catch-22 better. That is perfectly all right. So what else have we been watching? Well, it's amazing you should ask me that question. Um, we watched um, Monsters in the Shadows. Oh, my God, so good. A uh, Peacock documentary series about a a, uh, a young woman who was missing um, in, what was that, Mississippi? No, it was like Mobile, Alabama. Okay. No, no, no. 
Monster in the Shadows was in Alabama. The other one Kentucky. was in Kentucky. Gotcha. Um, yeah, they were in like the Mobile Bay, Daphne, Alabama, Fairhope area. Right. Uh, she went missing. And her case kind of straddled two counties, and there right. were some issues there between law enforcement agencies. And in the um, investigation of her disappearance, actually it had nothing to do with the investigation, a family member came forward and said, there is some sick, messed up stuff going on here amongst this, this family, family. Uh, and they are... Uh, sharing, swapping their children for sex. Sharing them among themselves, among themselves. and pimping them out to other adults. Yeah, strangers. Um, yeah, it is It is a broken and twisted group of people. And the mother of the woman that is missing gets caught up in this as well. She says to this day that she was not involved in any way with any children sexually. She told that to the police. Mm -hmm. She, um, um, and after what, two or three years, yeah. they pled her down to a, an endangerment, a reckless endangerment charge. Misdemeanor, a yeah. misdemeanor that doesn't mention children at all. Um, so it, it is a very convoluted, confusing case they uh, this woman is still missing to the best of my knowledge mm -hmm. um, there's uh, drug use and there's uh, people who aren't telling the truth mm -hmm. um, there are people who claim they heard other people bragging about killing this young woman um, you know it's it's all just a huge um, it's a mess. Uh, it is It is the very bottom of the underside of the scum at the bottom of the barrel. I, I don't recall ever watching or reading or hearing, hearing anything about a, an incest pedophile child sex ring. Mm -hmm. Ew. Yeah, it is... It's a ride. Um, you want to be prepared. You, you're you going to be squicked out. Although I don't think the pedophilia stuff comes out until the third episode, maybe. I think it's about six episodes. Mm. But, uh, yeah, you'll want, you'll want to be prepared because it is something else. That is Monster in the Shadows. It's on Peacock. You will have to be a at least a minimum subscriber, a subscriber. before you can see that. We watched Cruella on Disney Plus. We did. It is now streaming for no additional charge on Disney Plus. Of course, Cruella is the uh, origin story of Cruella Deville, who was the villain of 101 Dalmatians, both animated and the live-action version they did some years ago. Um, and uh, it stars Emma Stone and Emma Thompson. Um, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. It may be a little too long. Kind of dark for a Disney flick. Yes. But, first of all, Emma, and Emma Stone's um, British accent is pretty flawless to my ear. Um, Emma Thompson is a wonder in everything she's ever in. So. And apparently she is a dear, sweet, wonderful human being. 
the the outtake reel yes. that they show at the at during the credits at the end so funny uh, was it during the credits or was it a special it was thing? a it was a bonus it feature. was an extra okay yeah. if you if you have Disney Plus look at some of the bonus features and look at the bloopers because mm-hmm. they're hilarious yeah. Um, and outtakes will give you a big window into someone's personality. And, and Emma Thompson, you know, super gravitas actor and all of that, apparently has a great sense of humor. Oh, yeah. I, I, I hear she's a lot of fun. Yeah, she's great. From what I've... From what I've she... You remember, um, it's still going on, or at least it will when they start the next season. Uh, My Dad Wrote a Porno. That podcast. Well, she was a guest on one of their bonus episodes. Oh, dear Lord. She really enjoys um, that podcast and that storytelling. Because it's so awful. uh, Well, yeah. And she wants to play a character called the Duchess. (laughs) Because they, while they do... They do, you know, sort of pretend casting with all of their guests and who would you be if if a movie was made out of Blech. Belinda Blanc. But yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> But yeah, she seems to be a lot of fun. Anyway, Cruella, worth the watch. Yes. Um we uh well, I guess me more than you watched Gallery Star Wars The Mandalorian, the uh, the uh season 2 finale where a certain Jedi came back. Um, and was um, his return was kept very very secret. They managed to actually keep it secret until the episode premiered. Um, and I don't even want to say who it was, even though I'm sure it is all over the internet. But you don't want to be the one to spoil. I don't it. want to spoil it for anybody who's not watched season two of uh, The Mandalorian on Disney Plus. But uh, this whole episode is about how they. Um, made that episode how they put uh, the 30 40 year younger face on this character oh wow um, and and sort of the emotional feeling that some of the show's makers had as they were bringing this character back and seeing this character interact with newer characters um, and how they got real emotional about it because they've been Star Wars fans for decades. Ever. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's one of those uh, behind the scenes shows. Gallery Star Wars: The Mandalorian. It's on Disney Plus. Highly recommend it. We watched uh, the first episode of the second half of season two of Evil on Paramount Plus. I was so glad Evil was back. We really enjoy this show. And on top of that, it was very imaginatively done as the uh, trio of investigators for the Catholic Church were at a monastery where they have been under a vow of silence for decades. Over a hundred years, yeah. And the reason for that is, is there is a cabinet that is supposed to have a demon locked up inside of it. And if a word is spoken on the monastery grounds, the demon will escape. Exactly right. So everybody is uh, quiet. Silent. Everybody's got one of those uh, wax tablet things where you lift the... Yeah, not an know, Etch-a-Sketch, but the other thing where yeah. you write with a little pointy a thing little and then you rip the thing up and it erases your message. Exactly. Um, a very technical so, explanation. Right, yeah. And um, 
and everybody is That's having how to they figure out how to communicate without actually saying anything, and they have to actually leave the grounds if they, the trio the of investigators, if they want to speak to each other. But even when they did, it was in very hushed tones, like they were in a football huddle. But yeah, they were, hunkered they were down. All very quiet. Um, and it's, I enjoy the show in general, but I thought that this one was particularly good. It was. Anytime they do something like that that flips normal production on its head and you have a real um, challenge or obstacle like this. Mad About You did an episode very similar to this one. It's a totally different show, of course, but they had a, a day where they were supposed to not speak for 24 hours. and um, So, yeah, it was very creatively done. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Paramount Plus, That's an, it's not on CBS anymore. You have to have subscribe Paramount to Paramount Plus in order to see the new episodes of Evil. I'm listening to a podcast called Labyrinth on Spotify Podcast. That's the only place you can get it. It is the story of a young Hispanic woman who had suffered a significant head injury at the age of 17 in an automobile accident. And, you know, she's up in her 40s now, and she uh, has the um, reasoning and intellect of a 6 to 12-year-old. Oh, gosh. And the brain damage also causes her to constantly be hungry. Oh, gosh. So she's a 5-foot-tall woman that weighs as much as I do, 250 oh. pounds. Uh, and she has trouble walking. Anyway, her family goes on this uh, camping trip in this very remote location and the mother of this woman because she's under their care 24 hours she can't look after herself um, the mother and this woman walk to um, the more like an outhouse because they didn't have running water at this campground yeah because it's very rustic um, rough it's not glamping right and uh, the mother needs to use the restroom, and then she tells the young woman to, to wait for her yeah. just outside. And when she comes out, the woman's gone. And uh, the father, who is back at the camper, has not seen her. And, um, you know, the police are called, um, and they bring out dogs to you know track her scent and they track her scent to a point and it's like she took off into the air or she got in a car trail just stops right and is this uh, a true story yes okay and um it's there's some hinky stuff with the family but there's also some hinky stuff with a guy who worked at the um at the park mm-hmm. um there's uh, and they're about to bring Bigfoot into it. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> of course, Bigfoot took her. Uh, well, the theory of some folks is is that there are so many disappearances in some of the national parks that where people are just gone and and are never any of their remains are ever found. Mm -hmm. It's because of Bigfoot or aliens or the chupacabra or whatever. Um, okay, cool. So we're get we're gonna be getting into at least an episode of that because I heard the preview of it uh, at the beginning of the season, but it's strictly on Spotify. It's like ten episodes long. 
I don't think any of the episodes are longer than about 45 minutes, with the exception, I think, of the final one, which is close to an hour. Okay. But, um, yeah, I'm... You're digging I'm, it. I'm digging it. And knowing it's limited, you know, that there is an end, even if it isn't a satisfying one. Um, oh, also, from this same uh, campground park area, two other people have been gone missing. Ew. So, okay. Who so knows? Bigfoot's eating them. Bigfoot has a healthy appetite, apparently. So anyway, that's called Labyrinth, and it's exclusively on Spotify. And finally, we just finished it today. Oh my gosh. The Disappearance of Crystal Rogers on Peacock. Six-episode limited series originally aired on the Oxygen Channel. Um, A woman named Crystal Rogers disappears. They find her car on the uh, Blue Ridge... Bluegrass Bluegrass Parkway. Parkway. This Um, takes place... This whole thing takes place in the small, picturesque city of Bardstown, Kentucky. Um, Crystal Rogers' case um, is the most recent, as far as this series is concerned, of a cluster of mystery crimes. Um, All murders. All murders, except for hers, and she's presumed dead. Yes. Um... Crystal Rogers was dating a man. Um, Their relationship was not happy or healthy or apparently good, according to various and sundry family uh, members. And um, her boyfriend, a guy named Houck. Brooks Houck. Brooks Houck is the prime suspect, but there is zero evidence, near as I can tell. Now, I enjoyed this, even though I did fall asleep in the last episode. But that was that that was more me than the show. The problem I have with this show and other shows like it is the level of drama that is created out of nothing. Well, yeah, much ado about nothing. Uh, and I realize they're selling a TV show. They're selling. Uh, ad space in a TV show. I I get it. I'm in media, so I understand well, you, you have to give people a reason to stick around after the commercial break. And it is an interesting case. It is very interesting. But yeah, they do kind of ramp up the da da da. Yeah, there there's there's a lot of well, this could be the thing that breaks the case wide up. No, it's not. Uh <laughs> this could be a major the, lead. This could eh, no, no, not so no, much. Not really. Um this GPS unit will tell us where they... No, it's not been on for five years, so yeah. it won't tell us anything. Um, you know, there's there's so much of that. Um, and, you know, I, I want Crystal found. I want the person who who did... Who took her or and or killed her to pay the price. I want the... Uh, people who killed the police officer and that uh, mother and daughter in this town and and Crystal's father who they think may have been getting too close to something because he was assassinated. It wasn't a hunting accident. No. Um, And the police officer was also, it was not an accident. They were able to determine that he was... Well, none of these people are gone or dead by accident. But uh, his is the most possibly an accident but it's not but it's not um 
you know, I want all I want the people responsible, whether it is the same group of people or the individuals, uh, each responsible. Yeah, whether for these they're crimes. connected or not. But I don't think this this show in particular. I don't think it helps that. Um, it's it is overly dramatizing a situation that does not need to be dramatized any more than it is because you have this grieving mother and the grieving wife same person because her husband was murdered yeah um and you have this small kentucky town where um you know these this cluster of murders occurred in a very short period of time in a town where you know drunk driving and some weed are the biggest crimes probably that happen um and then they they bring up gangs and uh, drug Gang cartels and drug cartels i mean it, it's it's it just seems like lot. it was far too much so while i i liked the um i liked the story uh if that former police officer had told me he's been doing this for 40 years again which you he would. does about 20 times in the first or second episode yeah i was gonna scream fortunately he kind of pulls back on that but uh yeah it's again i was interested in the story i want her uh, abductor slash killer to be found but i don't know that this woman is helping anything fair enough so uh, watch it if you wish. Six episodes, The Disappearance of Crystal Rogers on Peacock. All right. That's all for me. You got anything else? Um, No. Okay. Next week. Endgame? The first episode of season three will be your last of the Marvel Cinematic Universe hashtag, hashtag MCU introduction with Avengers Endgame. It is, um, for fans of movies like this, it was an enormous spectacle. Uh, there is YouTube video of somebody who, granted, shouldn't have been filming inside a movie theater. Yeah. Uh, but he wasn't filming the movie, he was filming the... Audience the, the reaction. reaction. And there is a scene late in the film where the house loses its mind actually there are two scenes like that um so we will get to that next week and awesome. i am looking forward to it because i know you're probably sick of watching these movies actually i'm not well, surprise you want to go with me to see shang chi in the ten uh, shang chi in the ten rings i don't know sandra oh uh, not sandra oh michelle yo mm -hmm. um yeah maybe she might be enough to get me there well, I doubt she plays a huge role. Eh, whatever. But anyway. All right. Next week, Avengers Endgame as Maude completes her Marvel catch-up. Uh, it has been a long time coming, and I'm sure you're all sick of it. So, all four of you. Quit it. Uh, but uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a, a sub subscription, a rating, and a review. All of that helps us to get uh, disseminated out to more people who, uh, you know, might find this interesting. 
If uh, you would be so kind as to, to leave us a review on one of those services, that would be great. Uh, thank you very much, and send us uh, your recommendations. If you have something you want us to watch, send it to us at um, comedy, comedy tragedy marriage at, at gmail.com gmail and tell us what it is you want us to watch, where we can find it, and why you want us to watch it. You can leave us a voice message. Uh, just click the link in the description of this podcast or copy and paste it into a web browser. All right, that takes care of it for this week. Uh, looking forward to Endgame next time. Love you. Love you. And until next time. Later. later. Yay!